0: Welcome to the Jew3 Project podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Fields. I'm the
1: founder
0: of the Jew3 Project. All right, thank you for watching another episode of the Jew3 Project podcast. As always, I'm your host, Lisa Fields, the founder of the Jew3 Project. And I know we've been away for two weeks uh that is completely my fault it has been extremely busy here at June three uh with the upcoming courageous conversations and we're just walking around running around with chickens with our head cut <laughs> off here trying to trying to make it to September 3rd. Um so uh please register so all our hard work won't go to race. waste. Um uh, but on today's episode we have a very special guest um the Reverend uh soon-to-be doctor watson jones welcome uh pastor jones how are you doing
1: good my kids will be full grown by that point but yes um (laughs) (laughs) greetings how are you thank you for having me here
0: i'm doing good uh thank you for uh agreeing uh to be on the podcast watson is a friend of mine and i'm i mean pastor jones is a friend of mine, and I'm glad to have him on the podcast with us. So we're going to talk about something that you all know about. We've been talking about it here at G3, and it's going to happen in a passage on City of Chicago. But before we get into that, for those who don't know, tell our, our audience a little bit about yourself. Yes,
1: yeah, so I'm currently the pastor of uh, Compassion Baptist Church here on the southeast side of the city. Um, I, actually, in the neighborhood I grew up in. Uh, and I uh, previously uh, started, um, was the lead planter and, and, and um, started a church in Philadelphia called Restoration Church. Um, and uh, I've since moved back from Philadelphia back to Chicago here. Um, I have my, my wife is Kelly and we got three kids, uh, Yashaya Watson and Ellison. So, yeah.
0: That's, that's awesome. That's awesome. Tell us a little bit about your educational background, because I think that sets a foundation for what we're talking about today.
1: OK, so should I start with college? All right. <laughs> I uh, I went to Trinity International University and got a business degree, um, business and Emphasis in marketing. And from that, I went across the street to Trinity Evangelical Divinity School where I gained uh, earned a master's of divinity um, with uh, I think my concentration was like uh, preaching and teaching or pastoral leadership or something like that. And uh, I stayed out of school for about five years or so and uh, actually more than that, more like six and uh, felt like I really wanted to go back. Um, and now I'm in school working on a, a PhD in African American preaching and sacred rhetoric uh, with uh, Dr. Frank Thomas at Christian Theological Seminary in Indianapolis, Indiana.
0: That's awesome. And uh, the reason why I wanted to share uh, that with you is because for a lot, for some people, um, I'm hearing they're having a hard time understanding uh, the concept of why courageous conversations is important um, if you're on either side of the spectrum. I I get this actually more so from more conservative folks than progressive on uh, why these conversations even necessary. And so uh, by you being someone who's occupied both spaces, I figure, uh, and you're in Chicago, who better to get to speak uh, to this uh, than, than, uh, than you. So, um, what are your thoughts on if you, if someone was to ask you, why was something like courageous conversation important? Um, what would, what would be your response?
1: Well, I think about American church history in one sense, where, when you kind of had this modernist, um, fundamentalist shift. You know, you kind of have bombs that were lopped on both sides. And then these two theological streams kind of floated in their own worlds and never really talking at all. And both sides have very valuable things to say. Um, and both sides have good and both sides have bad. I think, you know, there are questions that, um, you know, th- there are things that people ask. For example, uh, when you look at the questions about sexuality, uh these are conversations that I think evangelicals are sort of being forced to have now that progressives have been having for some time now even if you don 't come to the same conclusions as progressives i think it's uh i think I think that they do offer some insight into you know understanding this, the topic um, and and even ways to think creatively about it, even if you don 't land at the same conclusion. And so I think specifically since Jude 3 is, is dealing with this from an African American context, I kind of, my hope is to not see the black church follow the same path, and I hate to sound so polarizing, as our white brothers and sisters did 50 and 60 years ago, where those who have very different views, you know, you just completely part ways, you call them non-Christians or anti-gospel, and you call them heretics and don't deal with them. So. I, to to be able to have two sides coming together two sides that are radically different in some ways and similar in others to have them come together and have constructive conversation even if they're not i mean you're not going to you know you're not necessarily going to win people on either side but at least to be able to meet maybe find a middle ground in some cases but even to just challenge each other each other's thinking you know some on on the progressive side might look at say the conservative evangelical and assume that they're just idiots. And um, and and I think that some people really believe that, uh, but have never really been challenged by good evangelical scholarship. And then there's some evangelicals who will say that those on the progressive side are far from Jesus or something like that, and have never really been challenged by progressives in furthering you know, their own thinking. So I just think conversation is good to be had.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's vital because um, by you occupying both spaces, you know that when both spaces usually talk about the other side, mm-hmm. it's very much these broad strokes. Very much they're void of nuance, and yeah. it's it's not helpful for the argument because the argument is only based off the extreme. Absolutely. Um, and so that's problematic because you're really not dealing with the people in. Within that that tribe, you're kind of dealing with generalizations
1: precisely. Uh, Absolutely. And
0: African-Americans is problematic because we don't like to be generalized at all. And so uh, it's it's interesting to see people do that same thing when it comes to scholarship, even that are African-Americans.
1: Can I add a point to that? Yeah, I think, too, because, you know, and I I know people are going to say, well, I'm sort of putting identity, ethnic identity over gospel and I'm not. In America, African-Americans are a minority and I I kind of just think, you know, we don't as a minority have the luxury to just. I don't know, to just say you you're not going to even if you disagree with someone to just be like, I'm just not going to talk to you because we just have a lot of issues that really touch the ground. You know, one of the subjects you're going to talk about justice, you know, that's a real issue not just in cities across the country, but even in small towns, uh, with not just blacks, but also whites, but specifically blacks. So we can't just say, Well, I I disagree with pastor whoever or doctor whoever and I'm just not gonna deal with that person. Perhaps we can find some common ground and agree to some things because there are things that we can talk about that really do impact life on this side of things. So mm-hmm.
0: that's that's very that's very helpful. Um, when we look at the topics, um, the authority of scripture, Paul versus Jesus, I would pull out Paul versus Jesus because people are like, huh, what is that even about? Whose words carry more weight? Right. What, if you would, I don't want you to give a particular side or anything. I just want you to explain why the conversation needs to be had, uh, especially in the African American context. And what are the different perspectives on both sides?
1: With Paul versus Jesus? Mm-hmm. OK, so most people don't really get what that's about, especially in a black church. You know, they kind of like, oh, that's Paul. You know, we love Paul. We like Romans and Galatians. You know, we really like that. Um, but when you look at um when you look at. For example, how the gospel is framed, how the gospel writers frame the gospel, and they say, you know, Mark, for instance, will say, and then Jesus went about preaching the gospel, and he says, and the, or the good news, repent because the kingdom is near, you know, and that's what Mark is saying. The gospel is that the kingdom is near, and then you know you have Paul uh, defending against Judaizers and people who were who were trying to disregard his gospel in Galatians. And um, and even in First Corinthians, Paul naming the gospel, First Corinthians 15, 1, 4, 5 or something like that, that um, the gospel that I preach to you is Christ died for your sins. And so people who read that carefully can feel like and I've even seen this happen, that they're saying two separate things that that Paul is talking about uh uh, salvation specifically from sin, and that 's what Jesus came to do only and Jesus is talking about the kingdom you know that we don 't really see, but you know the kingdom of God who 's here. I think conversation around that is absolutely important um, because i I tend to I tend to see that they 're not saying two different things. I think that they're it 's like a diamond you know, you're looking at an element of a diamond, you see one facet of the diamond. Um, I think that understanding both kind of, you know, for instance, you have Christians who solely stay on Paul. And I think Jesus talks about salvation for sin too. So I'm not saying that Jesus doesn't say that, but I'm just using categorically when they only talk about salvation from sin, you know, and we get this a lot from some of our evangelical brothers they have no real solid theological basis. And I'm not saying the black church doesn't have this problem because we practice justice and tell you, you're going to go to hell without Jesus. Um, but we believe in practice justice because, again, it hits, our, it hits us on our doorstep. But sometimes people who kind of say, well, I'm only going to preach the gospel only. Take this Paul approach, um, you know, have no basis for gospel. Or for justice, and you kinda don't get that until you look at kingdom, you know, Jesus, the kingdom is near and the ethic that the kingdom brings. So I think, you know, and the scholars are gonna go deeper in that conversation, but I just think that conversation is very valid for people because as I've even tried to help my church here at compassion see that yes, we want to make compassionate disciples by preaching the gospel to see people saved through Jesus Christ from their sins uh, and to be forgiven and reconciled with God. But through that gospel, we are brought into the kingdom, and in the kingdom that is here, uh, now but not yet, waiting for Jesus' return, there are ethics in the kingdom or elements of the kingdom that we pull down into the right now. Uh, and I, I definitely stole that from N.T. Wright, but um, so I think that I don't think they're saying two different things, but I think that they're saying it's it's parts of a diamond, and uh, but it's a relevant conversation because people do feel like. They're actually saying two separate things, and some wipe out one over the other. So, yeah,
0: yeah, and it's interesting, even to uh push in on that a little bit. What Paul says about uh slavery, uh, has caused people to jettison him. I remember reading in uh Jesus and Disinherited, yeah. and um, him ta- Howard Thurman talking about him reading uh scripture to his grandmother she would never read let him read paul's letters and he said why she said because my slave master used paul's words against me and i vowed to never read Mm -hmm. paul again so it is a valid you know people have trying to understand things and paul have jettisoned him altogether absolutely like you don't have anything relevant to say to people on the margins right as it relates to his view what he says about women how he talks about slavery, um, and how he talks about um, sexuality, right, um, has has caused people to jettison him altogether. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely, they have, they have.
0: So when when we think about other topics, if you could shed light on any other ones that you think that there are different sides that people aren't aware of. Which one? Looking through the authority of Scripture, we talked about Paul versus justice, sexuality, uh, exclusivity, and inclusivity. Uh, So, jump out at you.
1: Yeah, uh, I think two. Uh, Well, I actually I think three. Um, (laughs) The whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) I think three specifically. Now, black folks generally, you know, um, you read uh, Larue or even Mitchell, and black people in general. Christians in the church and generally have a high view of scripture now what people mean by that is usually defined differently but you know I sat across the table today from an older deacon who was like you you're really you know you preach from the word of God and he said that like it had some emphasis the word of God and so I think the authority of scripture is an important one because it is something that is you know kind of in question but some that really jump out to me like Preaching the gospel is great, but that's that's homiletical, but exclusivity versus inclusivity. I'm looking at my list here. Um, apart from, you know, I actually got an instant message, a direct message from a frat brother of mine who asked me had I seen Carlton Pearson's uh, Coming Sunday, I think that was the name of it, the okay. movie on Netflix. And, uh, and I know it's because he's wanting to begin a conversation with me about inclusivity versus exclusivity. He just left the faith and became a Buddhist. And so I know he's trying to have that conversation. Um there is a, you know, there is a growing belief. Uh, no, I think the belief has always been there among people who struggled with the idea of God sending people to hell and specifically Good people, you know, and so you know, good people who never had a chance to meet Jesus. But I, so that kind of has always been there. I remember as a youth pastor hearing it, and sometimes in churches, people don't ever vocalize it, but it's definitely there. And uh, the idea that you know, God can't possibly do this, and I don't know if they think think it to the to the as as in depth as no. Some of them do. Some of them have said. People who, you know, be like, I'm saved in Jesus Christ. And I'm not talking about theologians, but just regular parishioners who be like, I'm saved in Jesus Christ. I know him. I love him. And, and will say some element of, but he's just one way to God. And I, that's not necessarily our arguing fully inclusivity, but I think it leads down the road to it. And so I think that's a relevant conversation, especially younger generations. My generation is just becoming a little more vocal in it, in talking about it. I think that uh, black people in in us, we have this innate, you know, kind of desire for justice because we've always been oppressed. And, you know, the ones who tend to say and I might get in trouble with this, but the ones who tend to say we shouldn't care about that. But just the gospel tend to be some who have been whitewashed. And um, but there is still this if you're doing ministry, especially in a city. And you look at all the myriad issues, like Chicago, for instance, you look at the many issues, you have a guy who's organizing marches who wants the mayor and uh, the chief of police to step down because he wants them to deal with segregation in Chicago, which segregation has always been a problem in Chicago that's contributed to many economic problems, et cetera, et cetera. So justice is a very real issue in the churches, in, in our churches. But I think uh, at the same time, we have not all been active in the movements. Um, and so justice, um justice is an important, I think is an important conversation because it helps us understand what biblically do we have to say. Because then you have some people, especially in some Baptist churches, you have some people who pastors are very justice oriented. And the congregants may feel like, well, I don't come to church to hear about that stuff. I want to hear only about Jesus, uh, and all of that. And so, you know. I definitely see it as one, partly because of the time that we're living in and the things that we're seeing happening in America that have been happening, but that social media is allowing for more footage, uh, putting more footage. I think um, sexuality, I probably would have said sexuality over justice um, just because it is it's becoming well, I mean, it's always been there. And and I mean when I think of sexuality, I think my natural first thought is LGBT LGBTQIA questions. Um those are becoming bigger questions in conservative and progressive spaces, uh churches specifically. And um and, and I, I you know even me as a pastor who, you know, fully recognizes, you know, I have my beliefs on it. But recognizes that this is going to become a growing question in our churches. I just think that we need to think critically about how to engage this question. Um, because it's not a it's not a question, especially, and I say this to some of my conservative brothers, this is it's not a question of those people, but they're in our churches. They're our children sometimes. They're they're sometimes the pastor. And so what what can we, like, how do we engage that? And I don't think we have good, because we've kind of engaged it by ignoring it. I just don't think we have solid ways of saying how to engage it. And um, you know, we'll say stuff, you know, that's kind of easy band-aid, but you know, we have to think about that we're talking about people, that Jesus died to save and pulling the political stuff out of it. So, you know, so I just think it's a very relevant conversation and and it'd be interesting to hear different perspectives. Again, even if, even if a progressive doesn't land on the same a conclusion as a conservative or vice versa, I think it's at least good to hear how people thinkers are wrestling through it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because, you know, yeah. Yeah.
0: I think that's, going to be helpful. Now, by you being in Chicago where this is held, you being a Chicago native, uh, why do you think this is critical for the city of Chicago?
1: Yeah. So one of the things I think about, you know, in Chicago, before I even mention the violence, Chicago has been noted as one of the most segregated cities in the country. And, you know, Dr. King came here and said, you know, that he had never seen anything like Chicago. And uh, I pastor a lot of older seasoned saints who tell me stories about, you know, knowing major civil rights figures from the South and then moving to Chicago and really finding some of the same mess that they saw down there. But here the thing is, um, when you look at Chicago now, (laughs) we're sort of reaping and I don't mean that in a good way. We're reaping seeds sown in the 20s and 30s and 40s with redlining and, you know, and when Blacks were relegated to the Black Belt in Chicago and when we extended beyond the Black Belt into Inglewood, which if you hear about Chicago violence, a lot of violence happens in Englewood, uh into Woodlawn or into Roseland, which is far south. You know, white people booked out those areas. And that kind of stuff is one of the reasons. It's not the only, but it's one of the reasons why we have so much of the problems we have now. It's one of the things that contributes to the high crime rate, you know. And I I remember going to Chicago public schools. I'm a product of CPS. And I went to the greatest high school in Chicago, CVS. Not the pharmacy, but that's the name of the school. And um, But I remember reading books that were like at least a decade old. Um, and, and I remember, you know, going through metal detectives, gang violence and all that stuff. So, yeah. So when you think about, um, you know, coming from a school like that, when you think about the subject, you asked the question initially about Paul versus Jesus and are they saying two separate things, which I, I think they're saying the same thing, just different facets of the diamond. For those of us, you know, I would consider myself conservative, those of us who are conservative, who are very concerned, and I think rightfully so, about seeing people's for, sins forgiven and brought into relationship with God through Jesus Christ and reconciled with God. And um, But when you see what we're facing, you have to think about Jesus as well in terms of kingdom ethic, kingdom understanding and pulling down what we understand to be the reality of the kingdom that is coming to be fulfilled one day um you know that that further's your in my view that that pushes you towards pursuing justice and it does not conflict with the importance of telling people about faith in Christ Jesus and repentance of of sin or or as i would say piety over over social ethic and so um and so yeah so when i look at chicago you know I think pastors got to have that conversation. We've got to have that conversation about wanting to see people reconcile with God but also saying what can we do practically to, you know, to to help with even if we ain't showing up for marches. What can we do in our churches? And I, I think many are many many are many do these things, but what can we do even in our churches to I guess live that reality and pursuing justice.
0: Yeah, dope. uh you mentioned your friend that left uh, the Christian faith to become a Buddhist. Yeah. Um. Are you seeing that? Because, you know, I think one of the things that I'm pushing back on african American, on uh, the left and the right, me being an apologist, is while we have to focus on justice, mm-hmm. there are people leaving the faith for Black people leaving the faith for other reasons. Like they don't feel like scripture is authoritative right. or, you know, they have these questions about science and 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 the faith. Um, it's not just justice questions. Right. Uh, do you see that in Chicago amongst Black young um, millennials um, and young professionals?
1: Yeah, some of them. You know, I met with a guy in my office recently who teeters the faith. Some of it has a lot to do. You know, he was quoting some you know African religious stuff. Um, you know, which that a lot of that stuff is directly a response. It's a direct response to racism and injustice practice. Some of it was relating to just getting out and meeting different people who were not, you know, who the church historically would say are not one of us, you know, the Muslims, you you know, that kind of stuff and meeting different people and seeing that it's sad to say it, seeing that they were a little more moral even than us. And uh, and so kind of rec- trying to reconcile that, but I'm trying to even think of this brother I know. Um, a lot of a lot of what I hear, if it isn't because you know they're just meeting different people and seeing that they're not, you know. And I use this term, and you know, it, they're not bad people. Um, a, a lot of it is directly tied to tied to injustice and racism and the misappropriation of scripture to justify white supremacy. Uh, things like that a lot of it is directly a direct result of that and so I find myself when I have conversations having to you know I'm no apologist in that sense like you know where where, but having to kind of wade through that water and and I've used even some of your resources to help to help people at least to further their thinking to say you know we're not just asking you to just believe by faith (laughs) stuff that you can think through um and we're not asking you to take what was taken wholesale, to our people, at, without without questioning its origins and all that other stuff. But but to help you see that there is truth to what we say, so yeah, I think it's tied to, it's tied, it's directly tied to our experience as an oppressed people, but then also to just seeing that you know they're good people, who are not Christians, and trying to reconcile with what they've been taught about people who are not Christians.
0: Mm-hmm, Yeah. That's that's very very helpful, and I, I love the fact that we're doing this with, uh, 24 black scholars and and pastors because you know often I hear well people saying well Christianity is the white man's religion, but then when they respond to the arguments they use white scholars, right? Kind so yeah. of undermines their own argument when you say Christianity yeah. is the white man's religion. I'm gonna give you this book, uh, by a white scholar, though, to prove my point that it's not a white man's religion. Um, <laughs> so it kind of, well this, us having this conversation with black scholars, it um helps us, um, you know, coming from a black perspective, because I think even people on the the uh, more pro- progressive side and more conservative side, they're still coming from that their, their black experience is still infused in how they articulate their positions. So I think that's helpful and they understand our perspective versus hearing it from a more uh, Eurocentric space.
1: Absolutely. absolutely, absolutely. Is there anything
0: you want to add or any encouragement or any admonition for people uh, to, to register for Courageous Conversations?
1: I think they need to. I, I think uh, for my um, more progressive brothers and sisters, I think they need to hear, you know, just because a person is conservative doesn't mean they're idiots, and uh, <laughs> it's just. And I know that I know that, again. I'm I'm being general and trying to fight against the generality, but um, but I think it's good to hear the other side. And then to my conservative brothers and sisters, you know, my experience has been, you know, that you're able to think through things, especially when you're seeing people who are thinking through some of these things especially because it has a lot to do with our race and a lot to do with our experiences black people um that are trying to grapple with real serious questions that that you know a lot of a lot of evangelicals have just straight out ignored and so but i just think it's good to hear good perspective it's good to to think through um some of these questions you know i know i'm going to be encouraging my church they are a little older uh to to attend and so you know they may be like what is happening here but but i think it will be good because i constantly tell them and i know some of them are asking these questions they just are a little more church so they know not to ask them you know but (laughs) but they don't ask those questions but but in private some of them do in private some of them really do and um but the younger, again, are just more vocal. So I just encourage people to sign it up just to hear, to hear the good perspectives. And again, even if you don't, even if you ain't going to agree with everyone or everything that's discussed, it's just good to, to, to think through the other person's view. And I mean, I'm, a tr- I'm training to be a scholar. And that's kind of one of the things they force you to do is to consider the other view and, uh, and not to just refute it, but to consider the other view to shape your own view sharpen your own view or reconsider your view yeah
0: and i think that's helpful because many pastors are in their churches and they assume just because people are members that they agree with their statement of faith or just because they're faithful they agree with what you're preaching uh (laughs) they could just (laughs) come (laughs) because it's convenient in in their in their proximity and they feel the need to go to church or they could be coming because the children's ministry there's a lot of reasons Why people come to church and i think people would be pastors and leaders would be shocked if they block uh surveyed their congregation to see what they actually believe from an anonymous perspective i remember we did that at our church when uh i was first trying to convince my dad to let me do apologetics ministry and i said let me survey our church and see without and tell them not to put their names on it i want to see what they believe Uh and you it's amazing what you assume people believe that they don't believe. Right. Um and so I think people like you said, people are asking these questions. They don't feel like a church church is a safe space to in- in- to ask those. Absolutely. They don't feel like they're supposed to question God. So because of that, um places like courageous conversation, I think, will be freeing for people. Um and we are gonna have QA as well. So uh, anonymous Q&A, you'll get the text and your questions uh, okay. at the end of the conversation. So that should be fun as well.
1: I'm super amped. I'm going to be trying to push my church there. You, so if you see a, a, a bunch of seasoned people in the room, if you <laughs> that, because you're right, they don't, they, you know, if they grew up in the South, they, they grew up going to church and that's what you do. And mama made you go. So you go and you don't question God. But I'm telling you, I've had I've either had people ask questions or just straight out tell me what they believe. And (laughs) I sat with a gentleman today and I was like, what? (laughs) So, yeah, you know, yeah.
0: Yeah. You'll be shocked to know when you sit with people what they really think. So, uh (laughs) let, let them have the freedom to ask. Uh, it's, it's the, it's the thing. So thank you so much, uh, pastor Jones. I greatly, greatly appreciate you and I'll see you on September 3rd at Absolutely. progressive Baptist church. A uh, shout out to pastor Charlie dates, um, for courageous conversations.
1: Absolutely. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Jew three project podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode you can tune into all our past episodes at www.ju3project.com. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Remember not only to subscribe, but also rate us. That helps us to gauge how we're doing and how you're enjoying the show. And it gives other listeners some ideas about the show as well. So thank you so much for tuning in. Also, remember we have our Bible engagement app in partnership with Back to the Bible to help you get better engaged in the Bible every single day. You take a survey, it assesses your strengths and weaknesses and sends you Bible verses based on those, so it's a great app. You can download the app by searching in your app store or Google Play, searching ju 3 project and it'll be right there for you. So thank you again. Remember, if you would like to become a monthly partner or a one-time giver, you can do so on our website or by mail, just go to jute3project.com, hit that donate tab and you'll see the option to mail in a gift or give online. We appreciate you and I'm so, so thankful for you. God bless. And remember, here at the Jupe 3 Project, we're helping you to know what you believe and why you believe it.